Hey everyone, it's Tom here, back with another episode of Alpha Metallica. We are digging deep into 72 seasons. This is the third episode in the run, so definitely go back and check out the opener with Kevin, and also with Rick, we tackled Shadows Follow. But today we're doing Screaming Suicide, and before I get to the song and the guest and all that good stuff, of course you can get in touch with me, com. If you want to come on the show, if you want to discuss whatever about the band, reach out to me there. You can also go support us on Patreon. If you support us, you get access to the next episode right now. That is the next episode of the 72 Seasons Run. That will be Sleepwalk My Life Away. So that if you want to hear that right now, you can support us over on Patreon. Of course, you can support us over on iTunes as well, Spotify, all that good stuff. But I'm, I'm very excited about today's guest because, you know, I'm going to get a little real now. I've never actually met this man. We've done quite a few episodes together. But, <laughs> I, I, Jack, I feel like you're a friend of mine in a weird way. I feel like we Absolutely. always have good chats about, about, about music and doodles and all that stuff. For sure. I know, like, you end up having, like, parasocial relationships with podcasters you listen to. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know, I was a listener of Alpha Metallica before I was on previously as well. So it's like this weird. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Don't meet your heroes unless they're Tom Quee. But yeah, it was a whole thing of, like, you and I have kept in touch. Like, we haven't podcasted in, like, three years or something yeah something like that we did a huge a jason newstead episode we we did yeah which yeah, is fantastic my, i think it was like three my, hours long it's like hardcore history it's like <laughs> it's beautiful my, my boy jason yeah we i think we told some story about him listening to metallica in his truck picking up his girl or something way he before did, he joined yeah. the band and yeah you know he was he's, he, he's just reformed newstead as well like news came out like last yeah, week so that's yeah interesting. That, was, that was exciting to me one of my proudest like record hunting moments i was at a local record fair here in norwich mm. and i found a sealed copy of heavy metal music by newstead and i was just like oh yeah for like 20 <laughs> quid as well it was it was that's crazy amazing amazing it's the only mo- one i've ever seen he has multiple <laughs> volumes i think as well i mean he's it's it's his painting really that fascinates me which we did touch yeah upon. Yeah, and you know, it, it's like something Lars would sell for an outrageous price in some kind of monster. It, you know, <laughs> had that kind of Basquiatty kind of kind of feel to it. But um, we're not talking about Newstead today, Jack. Unfortunately, not. No, we're talking about seventy-two seasons. And like, has this been something that's occupying your mind? Like, I know you're a big music guy. You play bass, etc. Like. I mean, Metallica in general. Then that sort of appetite has it continued unabated, or yes, for the most part, uh, in in ways of like continuing to listen to you, continuing to listen to people like Mel up your podcast as well. Shout out to Clint and Ethan, of course, the Always. the boys, the legends, and they're they're the kind of thing that keep me engaged in the Metallica community. I have a couple of old bandmates, specifically the singer of my old band, Alec. He is hot on any new releases and stuff, and he mm-hmm. is basically my go to like hey man, is this album worth checking out? And we'll bounce back and forth with little recommendations and stuff. And I spent all of today basically picking his brain of like, so what do you think about 72 Seasons? What do you think about Screaming Suicide? I basically had the song on repeat all day as well. Oh yeah. So I think I've slowly driven myself insane <laughs> over the last eight hours of working from home with that one song basically on repeat. Um, but yeah, I think Metallica kind of come and go with a new release. Mm. Obviously it, it peaks up interest and stuff. But I will always be dipping back into the the classics and stuff. So, yeah, they're always they're always kind of a a little thing drifting along in the background. But I've been in a mission over the last sort of eighteen months to discover as much new music as possible mm. and go on a because I felt like I kind of wasn't paying enough attention to the scene at the time. So I've been really getting into a lot of new metal bands, new rock bands, electronic stuff as well, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, Metallica had kind of been on the back burner, and then feels like this kind of came out of nowhere but 
yeah, I've seen a very mixed response. How, how are you feeling, Tom? Well, I mean, we'll get to me shortly. I'm, I'm sure the listeners <laughs> can't wait, can't wait to hear. But you know, I, I mean, as, as a little brief teaser, just before we jump into it, I will say that I actually don't mind the song. Like, I feel like almost the genre, right? So it's like I was having this conversation with friends recently, like kind of a silly silly sort of conversation but like what's your favorite sort of musical instrument and genre combined so you could say like jazz mm. piano or like you know, <laughs> funk bass or whatever you know and we were saying that it's gonna always kind of be rock guitar like it's sort of yeah for me at least and i made for you and for millions of us and it's like you know i think this song is just a good example of just you know that sort of pure playing you know it's not necessarily that thoughtful but it's kind of kind of chuggy and kind of power whatever but just before we get to that jack i wanted to look back because we're not really going to touch on your metallica history we have discussed that extensively across episodes and it has been a while but if people want to go back and check out it's electric number 74 you know all that time ago with diamond head and Starbridge. we did oh, murder wow. one as well apparently i have no we- recollection of that but I'm the opposite round. I remember doing Murder One, but I'd forgotten we did that to Ledrex. Oh yeah, no, no, no. What did, what did you say about Murder One? It got quoted on an iTunes it, review. Now that I mentioned it, it's, it's like if someone was playing like the Im- what did you say? Immigrant song through a jar of honey, or like through molasses, something or something like that. Like that. I think just if the, it's like because the main riff basically of Murder One in is slow like motion, kind of F sharp thing. But yeah, you said it was like someone. <laughs> someone slightly forgot to play the immigrant song or you know, yeah like trying to down. re-remember immigrant song after not playing it for 15 years how does that go like dun 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 no no not quite it's, oh there we go got it yeah yeah so so, <laughs> so go back to that episode and we did the world wired tour doodles which was a quite cool little we concept. did oh my god yeah. yeah i forgot about that i forgot about that god, one as well we've done so many episodes we have we have and we've also the newstead one but uh but yeah we've we've you know we've done a lot so who has the record for the most co-host appearances? That's a good question. I think it might actually be Kevin who was on this damn episode. You, damn you, Kevin. 72 seasons, but it might be, maybe in terms of length, it might be yourself just pause. <laughs> I've got most but, hours logged yeah, on. Yeah, but no, time. seriously, because we've done some, yeah, I mean, you know, big conversation there. But yeah, the, um, uh, maybe you, maybe, <laughs> there might be some fan from Tennessee that I'm just forgetting who's on loads, but no, I think it is pretty much you guys. So, um, so yeah, go back and check those episodes out. But we yes. are, of course... Uh, talking about Screaming Suicide, which, I mean, as I said before, you know, it's not exactly anthemic to me or soul-stirring, but it definitely sounds good, you know, in terms of production. And, you know, from the start, we know what we're getting, Jack. We're getting these Hetfield chord stabs, which, you know, build beautifully, which leave space, you know, they're they're urgent, they're propulsive. And Kirk, you know, just lead over the top, wah, nothing outrageous, but it's, it's still kind of fun. Pretty much, yeah. I, th- I think it's very kind of like you said earlier. Yeah, it's fine. It's all right. Like it's pretty. I don't hate it. Feel, though. Feels it's pretty like by the numbers. Like I don't feel yes. like oh, I just want to like tear this. I'm like oh, this is kind of. I think it has some quite loady vibes to it, but it then does. it also has. It, it's a weird mix of like old school, new school, whatever the hell you'd call load and reload. Because that the the intro like that like you said that lead part the a little do is very feels very load to me incredibly so kirk, yeah kirk kind of lazily hitting the wire as he always does but then then there's some nice harmonies that come in from james as well and it kind of balances are. out quite well there are there but, are that that harmony nine is pretty lovely actually as it crushes down yeah. it's very, very lizzie-esque to me actually yeah very know, much so. i, I think, know they're huge lizzie guys and i'm, I'm always sniffing for that because i love them as well but yeah same I, it's not i, 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 I don't know it, it you know it then taps into that all the riff really of the song right that is 
you know again kind of fundamental the chugs the resoluteness of it you know the fact that it's just if you're looking at it on the fretboard james's hand is not moving kind of thing you know he's just camped out uh, over there and kind of leaning into it. it reminds me a little bit of something like metal massacre or something you know early yeah, like definitely. something something to be on it, whatever it's got huge new waves of british heavy metal vibes huge. right i think in in general there is a deep purple song called speed king that has a really yes. similar bit to doesn't that open the, like machine head or something I, I, yes, I'm not sure, it does. But yeah, yeah, I, I, yes, the, I know that it's a really similar, really similar riff. Where right? It's yeah, like, it's just that kind of riff, isn't it? It's like almost yeah. like you can't accuse anyone of ripping off a blues riff. It's like that's just Het is just playing what every bloody poodle head, you know, whatever has, has gone down <laughs> for. It's yeah. insanely throwback, but you know, yeah. it, it, it works I, for it. I think there are some interesting elements, like the fact that this song is mostly in F sharp and not in just straight chugging E is interesting. Mm. That main, the main like verse of that is is in F sharp. Yes. Hello, murder one and hello, immigrant song. Uh, yeah, no, that's exactly that, what I was thinking. I mean, in that vibe, yeah, no, completely, <laughs> and just hello every riff, like you know what I mean. Hello, like bells and whatever, like it's just it, it, yeah, it's there. And uh, yeah, I, I do really it, do that. It has a lot of the, I think the chord progressions in general and the riffs in general have a lot of. I don't know if they're intentional callbacks or if they're just tropes at this point for Metallica. Like, like you said, you've got bells, you've got so many other songs. They like the yeah. key change in Enter Sandman. They go up to the F sharp for the right. chorus bit as well, mm-hmm. and then we switch over, and the chorus is in E, but you hit that A sharp A kind of yeah. sound, and that is the end of the Enter Sandman riff. That is Ride the Lightning. That is so many other of those riffs. They love combining that. Um, what's it called like the devil's chord the tritone the a a sharp a e e a sharp a combination and it all feels a bit obvious to me personally like the the solo doesn't do much for you if if i would like oh no i know i know we're in the era of everybody using like ai to do stuff but if if i was to like generate a kirk hammett guitar solo for that song using chat gpt or whatever I feel like it would be this solo, uh-huh. you know? It it does nothing uh-huh. to inspire me to be like, no. oh, Kirk's really ripping, or like he's doing some really cool, interesting stuff. No. The interesting stuff for me is somewhat in the lyrics, which I'm sure we'll get to in a bit, but yeah. what really stands out to me, and, and something that stood out across the entire record, and I'm a bass player, so surprise, surprise, uh-huh. is Rob's bass tone and how present it is in the mix. I really appreciate that, actually. I mean, he still hasn't contributed a riff. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. They haven't really included <laughs> hey, he's, him. He's got, he's got writing credits on I a mean, couple uh, of Yeah, I'm sure he, he has, like, you know, two sort of slashes, but it's mostly Papa Het's handiwork, I think, you know. He isn't really what? writing a song, like... Yeah, well, um, from what but, I understood, but, but, but yeah. James has opened up the, the writing a bit more to the guys, where he would kind of... From what I was reading and listening, yeah. and so I listened to the So What interviews with a couple of the guys as well. Um, okay coming up with the releases that's just my biases there no i'm glad rob's getting on there (laughs) i i I am no and you're right yeah he he sounds fantastic i mean he opens the album right yeah exactly yeah i think that that's a cool way to make more people feel included and and james is talking about like oh this is a new thing for me it's not just me and lars hashing everything out and then here you go kirk here you go rob sort your stuff out they've actually been more like equal contributors on this album than ever before for better or worse i don't know i still think it's hard to tell personally like mm. there isn't a clear like oh yeah that's definitely a rob riff or no, a no. or a kirk moment or whatever i still think it's very clearly 
the, the James Hetfield Lars I mean, Ulrich I know show everything Kirk does be. is from Lars's iPad, but that's the only thing that I could be like sure. <laughs> of. But, but yeah, that that's. But yeah, I mean, the verse itself. Hetfield really is a master at this. I only kind of properly appreciate this. Listen to seventy-two seasons, like you know, metal riffs by their nature are syncopated and chuggy as fuck and kind of a little impenetrable. And, you know, he still sings these quite poppy melodies. We're going to do this. Like it has a swing to it. Like it has a nice dance. Again, lyrically, music for me in general, Jack, like I'm not, I love music, but I'm not one of these people who's like, oh yeah, the message of this song is hyper important to me and it means X and Y and da da da. Me so too, I'm, dude. I'm, yeah, I'm listening same. to the writing. Like I'm listening to the melody as well. Even one of the lyrics, it's to the melody and the writing and the structure and whatever. So I won't say, oh yes, you know, the kind of suicidal themes, whatever kind of ring true. Obviously I respect them, whatever, but I, I, I feel that it imbues Hetfield with this, with this urgency. And, you know, he has his venom and he really does sound fantastic on that F sharp riff that you say that keeps kind of climbing here. I really, I mean, you, you sort of criticize the transition a little bit as being a little formulaic, but I do think going into the listen well, just the kind of crash into that chord like i really actually kind of like that rhythm i think it's kind of yeah it's kind of the, quite off kilter it's kind of nice the pre-chorus is probably my favorite yeah. bit of the the song to be honest like that a little like slidey slidey kind of thing like i said it is similar to so many other riffs but of course i think this the story of 72 seasons in general the whole album for me is james's vocals and they are the shining star across the entire album for me you're right. I, he is sounding better than he has done in a in a while, and the work he's put into it. Obviously, going through everything he's been through recently, personally and professionally, and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think he's really putting in the work in terms of doing some really interesting stuff. Like you said, I think melodically his vocals are p- particularly interesting, even when he's chugging on a riff like you like you're saying for the verse there. He's still doing something interesting rhythmically and melodically with the vocals to keep the listener interested. Because yeah. James and Rob, because Kirk doesn't play rhythm on the album. That, <laughs> they, he actually they doesn't, are, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he doesn't at all, as far as I understand. I think most of the harmonies are also pet-filled, from what I understand. I kind of hope like, so, respectfully. Yeah, yeah. I, mm, like, yeah. You don't want Kirk kind of playing a note slightly <laughs> off and like Het's going like, to punch that in. like Exactly, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the, the fact that we have, like you said, welcome to theirs life, born into their night, here they claim your dream, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. Like, that's a three-line verse yeah. part. Like, that's interesting. It's not really obvious rhythmically. It's not really obvious melodically. Compared to, like I said, the solo is probably the, the, the low point for me because it is so obvious and so by the numbers. That's oh, terrific, yeah. I, mean... I, I, I really like how James is able to shift things up and... Like in particular, the way it kind of builds up with the "Don't speak my name, keep me inside," mm-hmm. and then it's "Don't you keep me inside," all that kind of stuff. Like it, it builds up and builds up and builds up to, I guess, I guess that you know James is trying to com- com- convey that suicide is something you have to address at some point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, that sort of extra "keep me inside" in the chorus troubles me slightly I, I, i'm grateful that the song is as short as it is because this is a long fucking album for no fucking reason so I yeah. mean, this album's still like almost uh, sorry this song's almost like six minutes or whatever but um <laughs> still 
you, you just that little keep me inside that sort of syncopated you know i guess it's kind of you know it's the connective tissue it's kind of like trying to convey the internalization of suicide i suppose in a way but i would have preferred if they just cut to that melodic release of my name is suicide from the first kind of remember you're to blame i think it would have like flowed a little bit better i think it would have had a little bit more snap that's a minor quibble for me but I do, um, you know, I think... I totally was, agree with you, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I just, it's kind of... I, they seem to like to do this Metallica, and they've been a little bit brainwashed by it since Death Magnetic, maybe even, say, Anger, where there's just these kind of little rhythmic structures in their riffs. You hear in, say, Anger as well, and they kind of have to go into the verse by playing this final riff, and they're yes. kind of a little bit tied oh, to God. it, and they're just like, they like to have it in the music for some reason, and I don't know if it's a Lars thing or what, but it's just something I keep noticing, and it's like, yeah, they get, they get they're a little too attached to those things, and... You know, I guess no one's going to tell them wrong, right? Like, Greg Fiddleman, <laughs> is that the voice at yeah. the end of the song? Uh, yes, apparently it is. Yeah, that's the nice from Greg. Doesn't that sum it up? <laughs> what does the producer say? We just played quite a boring, r- ridiculous song. He loves it. He's we played no nearly more six boys. minutes. Kurt, Kurt like, you were okay. amazing today. You, were am- you know, yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's just a little, yeah. it's a little pampering. This is exactly the kind of conversation I was having with, uh, with Alec, who I mentioned earlier, like, this album needs so much editing like in general and i think this is also true for hardwired i think it's also true for death magnetic we fucking know Careful. it's true for saint I mean, anger death magnetic, i don't uh, saint anger, i don't know about that fuck off saint <laughs> anger's every, every song on saint anger is like eight minutes long dude. My what are you world, talking no, about but yeah um like, my feeling like, crazy that's one of the epics that's one of my faves like but I, sometimes it works. I think I think they get. Stuck You're right, though. Yeah, the the, the albums cram- are long, though. Yeah, they're cramming long. too many fucking riffs into one song, <sighs> and every yeah. and every riff needs an intro. Like you get a <laughs> instrumental introduction to every single riff. On the every sound, arpeggio needs to be picked, Jack. They can't every just play sing- a chord. Every single note have- has to have his has to have its moment. Has to ring they out. don't. Like they yeah, like they right. used to like You're go right. back to like Master of Puppets and stuff. They will go straight into a verse riff with vocals. It That's doesn't need true, to be yeah. a break between a chorus and a verse and a, like, keep me inside, my name is suicide. And then straight <laughs> into the verse. No, you have... Of course, Again, it's like, yeah. yeah, we've heard that fucking riff like 15 times already. We get it. Like, you don't need to reiterate that riff again and again and again. <laughs> That's just yeah. going to live under the verse anyway. It's very it drives me nuts. No, it it very, ends up being kind point. of riff, riff salad for me. Yeah, this album. Yeah, and I, I think this is totally true of Hardwired as well. Like, even Spit Out the Bone, which is my favorite track on Hardwired, mm. I think it should finish like six minutes on, six minutes into it, and then it goes like, nah, let's just do two more minutes yeah. of extra riffs and stuff. I'm like, yeah, but you had a perfect ending there. You're right. And you're right. And it, no. it, you know that is probably the worst thing about Metallica, and it's quite a bad flaw actually. They really can't edit themselves. They, yeah, they have no I, I, capability of doing that. I think you're totally right mentioning Greg Fiddleman there. For for those of you who don't know, Greg Fiddleman has been the producer of the last three albums. Mm-hmm. He has been like a key, but he's basically the the extra member of Metallica yes, for all yeah. intents and purposes at this point. He is their guy when it comes to mixing, recording, all that kind of stuff. From what I understand, he is essentially a yes man. They've just bought him. Like you know, he's still got a sort of view, but they just want a producer that will work with well with them. Like, yeah, know, fair enough. He he won't cause trouble. He will just say like, "Oh, that needs turning up. That needs doing yeah. this." And don't and he wrong, does the made, work like, as well. Het don't want to see no Rick Rubin sitting on no sofa. Like you know what I mean? He wants someone listening. Right? Yeah. yeah, like he he produces like Slipknot and like Red Hot Chili Peppers mm-hmm. and 
I mean, he did fucking Lulu as well. The less we say about that, the better. But like, he's done some good stuff and some interesting stuff. Yes, indeed. But he he even mixed and produced SNM two, which he talked about a few weeks he, ago he as well. Did like, indeed, and you know, we mentioned it before on the podcast. You you wouldn't have heard the episode yet, but we mentioned he was a producer on Hundred Reasons, his debut album. I don't know if you're familiar mm. with it. But yeah, yeah. They're yeah. a band that I did a podcast about, so everyone can go check that out. I actually worked with them on the label called Live Fast Die Ugly. And Greg Fiddleman's name just came up on Discogs on their debut, and I was like, what the <laughs> 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 The guy did cyanide, like, you know, so Yeah. So 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 yeah, so there there is there is that element to it, and there is a there is a there is a kind of rot. Uh, at the core of the creativity of the band in this way and never do we see it at its worst than through the solo as you've already mentioned it is a dispiriting exhausting thing to listen to and every bend feels like a slap in my face at this point of this solo (laughs) like as a fan of like coherent myth making on the fretboard and just the voyage and you know what i mean the self-expression i'm talking about nels klein i'm talking about pat Muffini. i'm talking you know, whatever. I'm talking about slack. Like, I'm talking about people who play the guitar and people who like to write solos, not this. Like, if he just wants to just play notes mad fast or whatever, then just do that. But, like, it is just exercise work, isn't it? It's just boring rote patterns. Yeah. It feels and, like yeah. pentatonic bollocks over Horrible. typical hard rock stuff. Like, and then at the end, he just does that whiz down the fretboard, that gurgle. And you know why he does that? Because it's another magic trick that lazy guitar players can do to make it sound interesting. Like, it's not interesting. It's just, it's it's maddening, actually. And I agree. I, I do feel Lars and James should go on Fiverr.com and they should hire some YouTube guitar players to write some fucking solos for these albums. Come on. Like, it's just <laughs> mental. It's mental. It's like, it's like, sure, okay, it's a solo. I get it. Your brain sort of switches off. It's a bit of excitement, blah, blah, blah. But we all love the guitar. Like, this is this is a, an incredible tool you have to, like, do something interesting that which you're capable of. But here we just have these things. These James is singing so hard. Rob is trying so hard to get a song into the re- record like you know what I mean Lars is drumming so hard like I just I, I, I don't know Jack I just I don't know what to say anymore yeah I, I agree like I said I think the solo is the weak part I think the solos in general for this album are pretty weak mm. there are a couple of standout moments for, again from what I understand my favourite lead parts are probably played by James because he yeah. does most of he does most of the lead work when it's not actual guitar solos if that makes sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that as soon as the wire comes in oh that's Kirk right yeah of course it is but leading into that most of this stuff is James and James has always been my favourite guitarist in Metallica like yeah, without without much competition James is, James is one of the greatest men to have ever lived like, James yeah. is a genius like yeah yeah, yeah. Like, think about like the Nothing Else Matters solo or his solo in Master of Puppets or yeah. like and there's, there's a handful of other ones, obviously, across the years. But, like, mm-hmm. iconically guitar moments. It is mad that he is, like... The Rift Tapes know, actually has some treasure in there as well, if you want to go dig Exactly, in. exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. I know Clint and Ethan talked about this when they did their deep dive into Screaming Suicide as well. Like, the fact that Hetfield is one of, if not the best rhythm guitarist ever. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, he's also a brilliant lead player, but just basically never does it. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad, it's mad. But... Yeah, I think this is also, to, to kind of swing around to lyrics and stuff, I think mm. it's clearly a very personal album in general for James. You know, he's talked about it extensively in interviews and stuff. This is a uh, rip open your heart kind of moment, is what right, he right. says in interviews. This is him, like, 
and really putting himself out there obviously post rehab through the lockdowns sure. and pandemics and stuff like he, him and his family have been through a lot of shit over the last few years but it feels really heavy hand the rhyming scheme in this song is <laughs> is diabolical at times you think that bad <laughs> It, how many times have this band wrote, written a song that uses the word cyanide at this point? I, I was about to say, drives you, you me can't. Nuts. You know, I've, I, I literally, I think I said this to you on an episode we've done before. It's just coming back <laughs> to me. But I can't accept names of things that are too close to established cultural icons. So it's like, Rise Against, <laughs> good band, you know, like them when I was a kid and stuff. You can't be called that. There's a band called Rage Against the Machine. You can't call yourself Rise Against. It's like, James, you can't say Cyanide again. You've called a song Cyanide, and you can't say it twice in different parts of the song. Like, yeah, I agree. That really annoyed me. It, it particularly stands out for the spoken, like, bridge, middle eight bit. That's odd. Yeah. My lying voice inside keeps that? drinking Cyanide. Like, oh. <laughs> God. It's like when he says stage fright on the song 72 Seasons. It's like, you've mentioned all these like epic things that the human body can go through. And then you're like, oh, he's a bit scared on stage. It's like, okay. Like, yeah. I, I get James trying to make everything a lot more personal and bring everything to to be more real and more like direct and stuff. But they, they there's this weird, I feel like they've been in this, this for a little while where they mix metaphors and fantastical stuff and... Sometimes they're writing about Cthulhu and then the next yeah, song's yeah. about Lemmy and you're like, okay, <laughs> should they like do what you like? Like, I'm, I'm a Lemmy shit is quite lyricist. Lovecraftian to be fair. Uh, to be fair. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you know, he appears in the Michael Moorcock series as like one of the warriors at the end of time. The creature from the outer space of spades. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The, the sp- space of spades. Space of spades. Kind of- <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think, I think it's way more interesting melodically than it is lyrically, and that that upsets me is the wrong word because I can tell James is pouring his heart and soul into it. Yeah, I just I just don't particularly no. resonate with it, and I, I'm somebody who has suffered with a, my fair share of mental health stuff. Mm. I'm not like completely numb to all of this stuff. I'm not saying like, oh yeah, just get over it, mate. Whatever. No, I just think the at, the actual words written down and the way they rhyme is quite clunky. And it could it could have been a really powerful, interesting like. I almost wonder if James should have done like a nothing else matters style, like ballady kind of thing about his, which is how sure. nothing else matters started was like him. Oh, and this isn't for Metallica. I'm writing a little ballad for myself, and turns out to be one of our most popular songs ever, kind of by accident. Mm. I wonder if he'd have been better off kind of getting a bit more personal in that kind of way, because I don't think this. The, the vibe of this song and the the lyrics kind of kind of work kind of don't particularly gel for me no not at all and you know there's lots of voices in his head that keep occurring throughout and it's a motif that james is of course fond of but the lyrics yeah the lyrics do ring a little rusty to me my lying voice inside keeps drinking cyanide i mean we touched on cyanide Oof. but but then this refrain and again not trying to insult james i think i just called him one of the greatest men to ever live i love james. you did <laughs> i think i literally just did that check it a few minutes ago but um this feels like something a four-year-old would write if they had poetry magnets and no <laughs> more can you run into the sun right so it's, that is definitely like a you can't my lying my lying voice inside is like okay fine that makes sense like voice in the head yeah. keeps drinking cyanide like okay fine yeah cyanide that, have to the mention voice cyanide. drinking is kind of like original image like it's not bad yeah sure sure 
and no more can you run like oh okay that's kind of almost like <laughs> off to never never land like sure we can get some some mystical into the sun is that the only thing you can yeah. rhyme with can you run like really Run and uh, sun, I think. Yeah, oh, into do. the mouth of a gun, or I don't know, like, but yeah, into the sun is like, I mean, you know, darkness, sun, I, I don't know, yeah, it's it's going in that way. But after this, so after the guitar solo, I do kind of like what happens in the song where it kind of reassembles itself a little bit, it sort of goes into that chug, and then the riffs kind of build back up. But it goes into that riff as well kind of like the bridge riff or whatever. And it reminds me of, like, if you were just doing an improv game and someone was just like, oh, yeah, you're just playing a rock, you're a guitarist, sing a riff. It's like the most generic game. It's like, nah, 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 nah. It's like, James, you, you, again, one of the greatest men to ever live. Like, I, I, you know, there's no excuses there. That is a real... I think I saw a last quote the other day. It was like, we've written enough for 20 albums or we've got enough ideas for 20 albums. It's like, and that got through? Like, Yeah. I think it was a, it was a quote from... Kerry King, I think, Uh-oh. about yeah, exactly. Be prepared. There's there's nothing too rude in this one. I saw him at the Birmingham uh, Guitar Show in 2008. Actually, he was a gentleman. He was a gentleman. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, it was. I think it was a quote about Death Magnetic of all things, where he said mm. they've made an entire album with like three songs worth of riffs that yeah, anybody would actually care about. And then me, I- I'm not a big Slayer fan. No. That's how I feel. That's how I feel about <laughs> Slayer. I now feel like each Slayer, each Slayer song has just a bunch of stuff and then one good riff that comes in in the middle eight and I'm waiting for that riff and the rest of it is just kind of noise. And that's apparently how Kerry King felt about modern Metallica. And this is kind of how I feel about some of this stuff. Like, okay, yeah, we'll sift through a lot of this stuff. But you're right, like, you get to that middle eight, there's a bridge bit and then the, like, second bridge bit with the the, the next extra riff because we need as many riffs as possible. Like, just just keep the main riff like go back to that one and yeah. again you don't need to intro and do an instrumental four bars of every fucking riff in every fucking song we we get it we know you're going to play an extra riff <laughs> and there's a i don't know if it's a rhythmic thing necessarily but it feels like it is to me everything just feels slightly more complicated than it needs to does that mm. make sense yeah yeah <laughs> like dum it's like so slidey sure. and extra that could have been like really chugging and powerful but it feels a bit kind of rushed and stuff yeah but yeah 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 that's a very sort of later metallica thing as well that sort of jitteriness you know they, they you know they open um what was the last song of the album? The uh, Shadows Follow. They open that, you know, with that kind of off-kilter sort of riff. And, and, yeah. and yeah, it's something they do, again, just to sort of tread water, just to extend the length for no real reason. Again, yeah, the song <laughs> is too long. And if they did just go to one riff or they didn't have this chorus and this outro on the back. Again, I wouldn't say necessarily that I was bored listening. Again, it's not something that's vital to me. It's not something that's clicked with me. Like, I listen to a lot of new music, you know, or, you know, new and old, but I just like listening, you know, I get Mojo Magazine. I actually just bought 100 editions of Mojo Magazine dating back to the early 90s from some old lady in Litchfield at the drive over there about two months ago. £100 for 100 (laughs) issues. It was like $100 for 100 tacos, and I've got a giant, absolutely giant, (laughs) I put it on my Instagram, uh, I'll have to send you a send you a picture, but yeah, uh, you know, dating back to the nineties, whatever. So I love going through and finding albums, blah blah blah. The point I'm trying to make is, 
you know, when I do that, often there's a song or whatever, and it's like, oh my god, what the hell's this? Who's this band? Okay, this is great. Like, I recently got into the presidents of the United States of America, which I just never really listened to before. Uh, you know, mid '90s Seattle trio, kind of jerky college pop rock, re- really good grungy kind of thing. And you know, I love them, and it's like I've only heard a couple of songs. I'm like, oh my god, this is so good. Screaming suicide. I've heard like literally, there's 15 million streams on Spotify, probably at least. Well, a thousand of that. You know, I was going to say something audacious there, but quite a lot of those streams are me, Jack, and I'm sure a lot of them are you as well. But I would yeah. not say that this is a song that I'm ever going to love. Again, I've got I, no resentment if you, don't, if you do or you don't, but it just hasn't really worked its charm on me, to be honest. I'm not convinced. Same. Yeah, yeah. I think this is middle of the road, 72 seasons for me. Like, this is... It's fine. It's not the worst. It's not the best. It's somewhere in the middle in the grand scheme of things across the, as you said, seventy plus minutes of this album. It's long. It's yeah. It's lengthy. It's definitely lengthy. Any any final thoughts before we just go to the uh, the Twitter opinions? Um, terrified, sleepless nights, caught in spotlight, dead to rights. Isolate and fight your mind, telling you you're left behind. Read out loud. Terrible, like third grade poetry stuff. The way James sings it yes, definitely. works really well. Telling he's, he's you you're left behind. Like, it really works. It, do, it does. Ja- James's vocals sell these lyrics so much more than they deserve, to be honest. Um, but yeah, in general, no, no. I think... J- James could scream vocals, the phone book um, and, you know, yeah, it would exact, work. Like, you know, exactly. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, so Dr. Bass reaches out. This is at Metallica Pod. Go follow us over there. I always like to open it up and see what you guys think of the song as well. Says Dr. Bass says, I really enjoy the song. In fact, there's not a song I dislike on the whole album. It's very strong. But I feel <laughs> that this is one of the weaker songs on the record. I don't feel an urgency to repeat the song like I do some of the others, which is, is fairly agreeable. And uh, Jeff Beers... The mightily named Jeff Beers, Jack. Very simple message here. He says the song's totally gnarly. Interesting. Would you? Interesting. Would you I know, and I, I know the um, Metal Up podcast guys are much more positive than than, than you and oh, I sound they? like we are. Well, I mean, yeah, that is, yeah. You know, as is you know, uh, as is tradition. Tale as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the American positivity of Clint and Ethan and and Paul Moak, in fact, even Paul oh. was uh, was positive. Well, but yeah, me, me and you bringing some British cynicism you to know this what's Metallica nice, podcast. Uh, I, it'll, it'll be before, this will be out beforehand, but I am actually going to see Clint and Ethan. So that they're supporting, well, not supporting, they're with Morgan Wade. They perform with Morgan Wade. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they're playing the Royal Albert Hall. And, oh, cool. Uh, I'll be heading down there, heading down to old London. So um, yeah, I can tell them to their face how mad I think this album is. But yeah, I felt that... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Ralph says, I felt this song was the weakest of the four tracks that the band released before the album came out. It works much better in the context of listening to the entire record. Still one of the strongest tracks... Sorry, still not one of the strongest tracks, but solid. Also, kudos to James for tackling such a taboo subject. Which is admirable. Definitely admirable. Yeah, definitely. Finally, Rick says, Rick Nashtag, who was just on the last episode, shout out to Rick, says, The song grew on me once I heard it on the album. The propulsive bass and drums that carry through most of the song give me a fuel vibe. James's voice seems the most strained on this one, though. I'm not a big fan either of the spoken word section that leads into the third verse. But overall, it's a keeper. And, you know, again, I'm not going to say it's their worst song ever. Uh, of course, I'm not going to say it's their best either. And, it, yeah, I think just being one that I don't rush to, that Dr. Bass said, I think I you know, I really concur with that. Yeah, 100%. I think, like we said, there's some um, 
really, really good moments in terms of some good riffs, some good vocal melodies and stuff. Rob's by bass sounds great. There's a there's a set I can't remember specifically which section where he goes up from the F sharp and goes up an octave. Mm. And it sounds really nice and he's just chugging away on that slightly higher note that, that really kind of rings out in the mix quite nicely. But yeah, I, I'm I'm mostly middle of the road. I'm lukewarm on this, I think. <laughs> right, right, lukewarm. But, but, I I also agree. Um, what was just said there, like I like this song more in the context of the album than I did as a single, because obviously we had Lux Turner, we had Screaming Suicide as like the two lead singles coming out of it, mm. and if Darkness Had a Son then followed up, Darkness Had a Son is probably my least favorite, by the way. Oh um, yeah, no, not <laughs> not looking forward to that, but yeah. But I I remember like obviously you will get to discussing Lux Turner in a few weeks, but yeah hearing that for first and then hearing the fact that it's called 72 seasons seeing the album cover and stuff like oh my god they're doing like a kill them all tribute mm. thing and then screaming suicide came out i was like oh uh-uh. this sounds like load and reload that's weird <laughs> <laughs> so hmm, yeah weird uh yeah, yeah I, I can totally see what um what they mean about sounding a bit like fuel as well that main like kind of like chugging pull on pull off you know, second, third Rinse fret on the E string kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. Well, again, guys, you know, let us know what you think of the song Metallicabot at gmail.com and we'll sort of wrap it up there. And I want to say, I mean, I didn't say at the start of the episode, Jack, but, you know, I should bow down really because I'm in the <laughs> presence of podcast royalty and, you know, very proud over here as your as your friend, quote unquote, but... But yeah, so when you came on the podcast years and years ago, obviously you were doing sequelizers. But that show has gone from strength to strength, hasn't it? This is you and your friends um, giving your own sort of takes on possible sequels and movie ideas and stuff. And it's become quite a popular show. Yeah, it has. We're literally about to, at time of recording, so by the time you hear this, dear listeners, it will be available. Our season 12 is about to launch. It launches Mm. on the 2nd of May, which, as I said, will will be passed by the time you hear this episode. So go and listen to Requalizers, which is us doing remakes instead of sequels for once. And oh boy, are we tackling some really bad stuff. So basically what we do is we take a bad sequel, or in this case a bad remake, and one of the three of us, me and my co-hosts Matt and Tim, will take a director, the cast, and the script, and basically change all of those things, or some of those things, change the title, and redo and refix and readjust a bad movie from cinema's history, essentially. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of cool bonus stuff on our Patreon as well. We do like movie commentaries and extra little bonus features and all that kind of stuff as well. And yeah, we, I think it was sort of like September time last year, we passed 1 million downloads Insane. total, I saw which that. is very, I very saw cool. That. Yeah, no, dude, dude, that is, congratulations. That's amazing. So go, Thank you very much. Go check that podcast out. And go and check out all of Jack's old appearances on the show as well. It's always a joy to have him over there. And go back through the Alphatalica archive. And, uh, yeah, go, go listen to 72 Seasons again. Why not? You know, treat yourself. So, <laughs> yeah, go, just just avoid this one. But, no, uh, yeah, no, shout out to everyone that got in touch with the show and everyone for listening as well. Uh, I've been your host, Tom. I'll be back. So, Go support on the Patreon. If you want to access the next week of the show right now, you can get access to next week's episode straight away. Get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to come on the show, if you want to come on the blacklist. 
and you want to basically talk about one of the bands that cover Metallica and talk about their cover of one of Metallica's songs and whatnot. And that's going to be fun to do, actually. We're actually we're eventually going to run out of road and just be at a point where we're just doing Nothing Else Matters over and over again with, like, some no-name K-pop star. But still, <laughs> we are going to, you know, we're going to see it out to the end. And we'll have to get you on, Jack, for one of those episodes. Definitely, yeah. We'll have to. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find a band we both like on there. I'm sure. For sure. But, um, but yeah, guys. As always, this has been Tom Alpatalica. You know, really fun to be chatting these songs again with you, Jack. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it.